stuff. Welcome to episode 193 of the Good Stuff Kids podcast. I'm your host, Mike Mason. This is the show where we get to know the creators of certified and bona fide good stuff for kids and families. And on today's show, I talk to the extremely multi-talented Carly Shiraki, and we got into it. We got into coffee. That's where we started, right? Because it was in the morning and we were both drinking our coffee. And if you don't know Carly, I bet you do and you don't even know it. She's the host of the Big Fun Crafty Show and Snug's House. She's uh, She's been on Tim Kubart's records. Uh, she, she's got a podcast. She's been on the Story Pirates podcast. She does so much in the kids and family media genre and It was a pleasure and a thrill to talk to her, and I think you are going to discover lots and lots and lots of fun things for you and your family to enjoy that Carly provides. So thank you, Carly, for doing that. Thanks for being you. (laughs) If you want to reach me, you should email me, mike at goodstuffpod.com. I would love to hear from you. I really would. It's nice. So do it, right? But uh, I think first and foremost, let's hear from Carly. Here's my conversation with Carly. It's from a few months ago. Um, got a little bit of a backlog here at Good Stuff Studios. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fib. That's a lie. If you don't know what fib means, I'm not gonna do that. But you know, better late than never. So here is Carly Shiraki. Check her out. We got get yeah, we got what good stuff. Good, good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff good stuff good podcast oh yeah it's the best friday morning in brooklyn uh and it's starting to be the best friday morning here in houston texas where i am because i am on the line with carly shiraki how are you carly i'm so good how are you i am great so this has been in the works for a while we we started emailing like a year and a half ago or something and and it's finally great to connect and um i think i'm inspired by uh, how psyched you are that it's the morning time and it's <laughs> and it's snowy in the morning so like before we get into anything like what makes a great morning yeah so i am i am a morning person i'm a real life morning person i am obsessed with my morning cup of coffee i start getting pumped about it uh the night before the morning <laughs> when i go to, when i go to sleep uh-huh. um, and, I, and i'm like a, i'm a real nut about it like i grind my beans oh, and i yeah. have my chemex and i do the whole pour over thing and I, I i also just get amped about coffee mugs like when i visit places i always buy a coffee mug uh-huh. like a real tourist um but i just like <laughs> i have i have special coffee mugs that like have morning powers and i just i drink my coffee I mean, it's the beginning of the day the day is new anything is possible um i just i wake up with all this energy it is it is not a you know, a surprise that I did live morning television. Um, and then by like three in the afternoon, I have nothing left and I'm just, I'm dead to the world. <laughs> well, that, and then, and then you take a nap. That's great. Well, so let's, yep. I think we're, we're kindred coffee spirits in a way. I grind my own beans. Um, you yeah. do, the, you do the pour over. Have you arrived on that as like your, your preferred method? 
Yes, I do. I have a Chemex um, and I have like the, <laughs> really, I'm a geek. I have the, um, like the, the thin neck uh, kettle so oh. that I can have an accurate pour. Oh, I want um, that. <laughs> and it, it's totally, it's totally worth it. The one thing I don't have is a scale. So a uh. real purist would be like, oh, that cup of coffee is just like, you're almost there, but you're not a hundred percent there. Yeah. Um, but at this point I have it down to like, I know how many scoops I like for the different the different like brands of beans I'm using and I know what grind setting because my, my grinder has settings. Um, <laughs> so really. Do you have a, do you have a, a, a burr grinder or do you have uh, just like the regular spice grinder? I do have a burr grinder. Man. In fact. Okay. You are serious. Like there's, there's like <laughs> levels. There, there's totally levels to this. So like, I think I'm pretty serious, but I don't have a burr grinder. Um, I, I use the arrow press. Have you ever used the arrow? Press? Oh yes. Excellent choice. <laughs> Gravity, you know. Gravity. This is amazing, and like I, I've watched many, many a video on how to get the best uh, air, yeah. air, air, air press cup of coffee. I'm still not. I'm still in search of it. I'm, I like. I, I and like you, I look forward to it all the time. Well, isn't that beautiful though? Like it's yeah. a journey that we can be like evolving yeah. around and on. Yeah, I love absolutely. That. And you know, like figuring out the beans. I like. Look, at the very least, we. Um, we will give a detailed recounting of our morning coffee routines. Then people will appreciate that. And probably more. Well, I don't know if any people are, many people are at like the, uh, the level that you and I are at. Cause I'm like, I'm like, you know, basically like a month away from the scale. I think, I don't know where you're at with that, but mm. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, but okay. So, so we, um, we've established that you are a morning person and I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm envious of that because I get, uh, I get, it's tough to get going sometimes. So you, you did morning television for a few years. You were on the sunny side up show on sprout. Um, I think what could be really interesting is for people to hear from you, like what, what goes into that a little bit? Like what time did you get there? Like what was the preparation? Like, and then like, what's it like talking to Chica the chicken? Mm. Oh, so it's just one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, so yeah, I did Sunnyside Up on Sprout for five years, and it was the most fun ever. Um, and the way the way everything would work, so we're we were an interstitial show that came on in between every show that aired on Sprout from nine to noon. Um, we were live, and we the the way that our like segments worked, they were very short; they were three minutes long, um, and. Uh, basically Sprout would show an episode of let's say Barney um, and maybe Barney was flying a kite on the episode so after that episode you'd cut to me and Chica or any of the other study setup hosts who are so amazing um, and we'd be talking about Barney talking about flying a kite and then maybe we'd show the Sproutlets the viewers at home how to make a kite out of stuff they found around the house so the idea was to bridge the gap between what they're seeing on TV and how they can play in the real world um, and with um, with stuff they have around the house or with their grownups or their siblings or their friends or just by themselves. Um, so the way it would work is there were four hosts and four puppeteers. So you were working in a different um, duo team every week. Each host had a full week on air. Um, and we'd, we'd like rotate through different puppeteers. So we'd come in on a Monday, we'd watch all the episodes that were gonna air during our week. Um, we'd take notes, we'd come up with content, original content for every single week, written by host and puppeteer, who was also a um, producer. And so we'd like write games and sketches and songs and recipes and crafts and just like all this crazy stuff. And at the end of Monday, we would pitch it to our bosses who'd be like, 
yeah, this is great. Uh, let's tweak that. Or education consultant would be like, ooh, you've got too many beats in that. It's going to go over their heads, maybe like pull it back a little bit. So we'd fine tune. We'd spend the rest of the week um, organizing props, building our audio tracks. And then the next Monday morning, we'd be live on air with that content. So wow. it was like, it was bananas. We yeah. were flying by the seat of our pants all the time. Um, and we were, you know, having a conversation with our audience. That was the best part of being live. They could send us messages while we were on air. If they were making the crafts we were making on air at home, they'd share pictures with us. If they, if we were asking them if it was dinosaurs week and we were asking them about their favorite dinosaur, we'd all be learning together about the favorite dinosaurs of our audience. Um, so it was a really really beautiful um like creative process um as a as a like a writer and um and like a as a writer and a creator it was really fun to have new challenges every week um and then as a as a person connecting with kids and families it always felt like we were um really learning stuff together every day mm, that's uh, it sounds like uh like saturday night live like what you hear about that but in a much mm -hmm. like kinder gentler way <laughs> totally, With totally. An, and I, lo um, I love the idea of the education consultant. I, I think that, I don't yeah. know if that's unique or if that's um, something that happens a lot on kids shows. Maybe it was because of the live environment, but I love that that that, um, that there was checks and balances in place, right? Like that's pretty cool. Oh, for sure. They, they Our training was, um, we had Gail Levin-Simon as, uh, as our education consultant, who's so wonderful and so smart. And she like had her eyeballs on everything, but also we would go out and observe preschools and um, uh, observe kids at play just to, to check ourselves to make sure our pacing was um, appropriate and our, um, our like style of play was meeting them where they were at. So nothing was for nothing. It was, it really was a thoughtful, um, a thoughtful approach to the work. Um, and also you had asked me about what it was like to be with Chica the chicken. I just don't want to let that <laughs> one go because really, honestly, Chica, if you watch the show, she is, a, she's a character. Okay. She's a real sassy little chicken and I loved hanging out with her every morning and I miss her. So that uh, is just a real thing. That's sweet. <laughs> um, so I, I actually, I made a little bit of a mistake here. W one thing that I, I think is really interesting um, is like how people get to this point. So, and I, and so I've talked to like lots of musicians and some authors and things, but I've never had, I talked to Tim Kubart, who, you know, um, mm, but I would, yes. I would love to hear like, what is your, you know, pre sunny side up, like, how did you sort of land on this as what you wanted to do? Yeah, it's a, it's a funny thing. I, 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 kind of fell into it but it was also my destiny i think <laughs> um, so i i graduated from college with a degree in theater and i was living in chicago and i was working a million side hustles because that is the custom for a young artist sure. um and so one of my side hustles was um teaching at an early childhood education center called bubbles academy a very prestigious uh establishment um and <laughs> so uh like i went from bubbles academy to sprout like these words are just so silly this is amazing but, um, yeah um but so i was i was teaching pre preschool classes i was teaching mommy and me classes i was 
playing the guitar for babies. Every week I was writing songs for those classes when I got bored of the songs that we were doing that were like, you know, just already kind of like preschool standards. So I was getting this practice at like making up my own stuff and interacting with that audience. But it really was just like a side hustle. And I also was um, DJing for Radio Disney. So I was on a mic in front of like 11 to 13 year olds. And uh-huh. it was the height of um, Hannah Montana and High School Musical and the Jonas Brothers. So it was just like a fun time to be in that world. It was I was like throwing these dance parties for kids and like feeling out what it is to be a host. Uh Um, And I was doing other teaching jobs and I was also taking improv classes and auditioning and getting on stage in Chicago and making weird plays with my friends and just like really being like an all over the place art maker in in my early 20s. And then um, uh, some stuff happened. Actually, I got dropped by my agent, which I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to work in this town again. What's going on? Um, and I started to rethink my path and started to think, well, maybe acting isn't the thing. Maybe this hosting thing, maybe there's something to that. So I like energetically started to think more about hosting. And then, um, I got a call from an agent who had met me once, um, who said, I've got this preschool show that's looking for a host. And I think maybe you'd be a good fit for it. So I, I went in for the audition and I, I, as I was preparing for it, I was like, oh, my God, this is every this is a combination of everything I've been doing. It's improv. It's preschoolers. It's hosting. It's like it's being myself, but this like kind of elevated version of myself. And it's live, which like I, I just love live television. It was it was loosely scripted. So it, it like had this energy of like there's no script to memorize because I hate memorizing things. Um, and there's a. <laughs> Uh, there's like a freedom and an authenticity to it that I really was attracted to. And so I auditioned in Chicago and flew to Philadelphia for a callback a few weeks later. And then a few weeks after that, I was packing up my stuff and moving to Philly to take this one job. And it like, it changed everything for me. Wow. Um, so, so yeah. And now I'm like obsessed with children's media and I like want to keep making stuff for kids and families for like, as long as they'll have me. Oh, that's amazing. So, um, Thank you for that. And sorry, I didn't get to that first, but I, I do think no, it, it helps please. to round out the picture a lot. Like this is, this is a true thing for you. You like, you like being with kids. You like being up front and, and doing the, the live stuff. And I think that that like that spirit of improvisation and that spirit of being of like wanting to be live is really like, that's important. People can pick up on that in a, in a real way, because um, if you're not comfortable, people can really pick that up mm. quickly. <laughs> so, so tell me a little bit about the big fun crafty show. Oh, I will. Uh, so <laughs> I just, I love it. it. It was the most fun to make. The big fun crafty show is, an arts and crafts reality competition show. And it's the only thing like it. It um, We made 40 episodes last fall in Toronto, um, which was totally nuts. Um, in each episode, we take three teams of two kids. So it's best friends or siblings or cousins or neighbors. Um, at the beginning of the episode, they get a craft challenge from another kid. So it might be like, Lucas, who's 11, wants you to make a medieval castle. And you have to uh, use the color red, uh, use a dragon, and make a working drawbridge. 
So those are the elements. Like much like these like cooking shows that get um the specific little asks as part of the challenge. Right. That's like that was like the premise of um of each craft challenge at the beginning of the episode. So the kids get two minutes to run to this wall of craft supplies, which is like I mean, that could be the only show and that'd be a show that I would watch because craft supplies are a beautiful thing and um <laughs> watching watching kids have two minutes to get everything they need is just hilarious and it was it, it was my job to scream at them to be like get more stuff or like uh-huh. you only have 30 seconds run faster um and then um and then they had a certain amount of time to to craft and work together to make whatever it was that they were uh that they had dreamed up in their brainstorming session and then part of the way through the show i give them a curveball um so something crazy like add food to your um, project or add um like nature elements or something and then we put more stuff out on the craft wall of wonder they get more time to um to go back and get some extra supplies and then uh then they finish and then the kid who gave them the challenge actually comes back to decide on a winner um but oh, it was wow. a super for, for a show that has competition stakes it was such a positive environment the kids were always so supportive of each other um and so like yes there's a winner but it's like truly they are all winners um yeah. and it's just it celebrates um, creativity and like the openness and the challenges around creativity. And we really let the kids work um, by themselves. We did not help them. Um, we did not like lead them in, a, in any kind of direction. Uh, we let them really guide the creativity. And um, I think it's just a really it's a fantastic thing. I'm super proud of it. And I'm really glad that it's out in the world. Yeah, it's got to be. Um... It's got to be special as a creative person to watch these kids, like even under pressure, like come up with stuff. You know what I mean? Like just to like get into that creative zone. I think that's a really it's got to be fascinating for you to watch as a creative person. Totally. And it was fun because, you know, Sunnyside Up and Sprout House, um, which is now called Snug's House, um, are both uh, for preschoolers. And this show, while the target, I'd say, is like, four to seven or eight the Mm -hmm. kids that came on the show were ages seven to eleven so that is a a much um older age group than i had been working with um in the past and it was so fun to be able to uh reach them specifically during moments of challenge um because they can uh they just they can I think sit realer in moments of difficulty. Mm. Like they can, they can sit in a moment of difficulty um, in like a, a, a more like authentic way. Like I saw kids kind of panic at times around like I tried to do this and then I didn't get the supplies I needed, or I thought this was going to look good and it looks terrible. And I catch them in these moments where they were really feeling down and being able to help them through that and to put that on television and model like you can have a hard moment and you can bounce back from it uh, is something that I believe in as an adult. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's so important to model for kids uh, what it is to make a mistake and to grow from that mistake that a a mistake can become a masterpiece. Right. And and the the idea of resilience is huge. And, and I think that like you, you yourself uh, are role modeling that, for the audience to, you know, if, if, so as a parent, if my kid's having a hard time, like to see you, you know, use some of your tricks, right? Like there, there are parents who yeah. don't, who don't come by it naturally to be, um, you know, empathetic and, and, uh, just 
helping their kid get through things in a way that's not like, well, why can't you do it? Like, oh, like, and being frustrated. So, and I think that another thing that you're doing is you are like, this is a true gift to be able to like reach a kid in their moment of like panic. Right. And it's not just like, oh, I, I'm having a hard time doing this, but I'm having a hard time doing this. And there's like TV cameras there. And, yeah. and, and to be that, um, to be able to not only host the show and, and get things moving along, but to have the ability to put that aside and have like a real, uh, a real moment with the kids. Like that's a really unique thing. So I think that's really cool. Thank you. It feels like a, a really special opportunity that I, I take really seriously. Um, feels like a real honor to be able mm -hmm. to be with kids uh, in that kind of a moment. Yeah. I, yes, absolutely. So you are, I would say you are the hostess with the mostest. And I'm sorry, that was <laughs> the, the worst thing I've ever said. But do you have, <laughs> do you have any um, particular people that, you know, so I'm thinking of Double Dare, right? I, I grew up watching uh -huh. Double Dare with Mark Summers. And like, in my mind, he, he and like Alex Trebek are like the hosts that I, when I think of hosts, those are the people that I think of. Do you have anyone like that that you think are are like that sort of helped to uh, to shape what you do? Like any of those kinds of influences? Well, that's funny. Um, I when I was a kid, I was obsessed with Carmen Sandiego, and I um, I specifically I think loved the teeth um, because she was the one giving the like the the challenges on that show and she had the like detective noir like genre about yeah, her yeah. um and like i also loved who's the host greg lee yeah greg lee i think is the host of uh that show i loved what he did too and um i actually just posted this on my instagram i have a video of myself as an eight-year-old doing carmen san diego in my basement like i set up the whole thing my two of my siblings are the contestants like i had questions there were rounds there were like crime bucks which is like the um award system that they had figured out like i did the whole show in my basement at age eight so like <laughs> like when i say that i fell into this but it was my destiny like that's what i was, I was talking about like that's the way i would play as a kid also um lavar burton uh reading rainbow sure. i was yeah. I was obsessed with reading Rainbow. I was obsessed with reading. And I would do that end bit of um, like they'd have the kids like recommend a book and be like, well, don't take my word for it. Go to your local library. <laughs> I would sit I would sit on my bed with a stack of books and be like giving my recommendations like to literally no one. But I just like <laughs> I like the way they said that. Go to your local library. It's uh, uh, amazing. <laughs> so um, so it, as, as a kid, I did gravitate toward like human hosted um shows um over some of the cartoon and puppet stuff so i think that that um was kind of in my bones already and obviously mr rogers and specifically actually i've been thinking about this lately because you know mr rogers is like all over the zeitgeist right now in a way right. that is like so so magical but when i think about what i loved about mr rogers neighborhood it was actually less of the make-believe and more of whenever he was talking about real stuff in the real world like that crayon factory video or just like um like when he was in real space i i loved that uh -huh. so i think as a kid, I craved like a human being in the real world who was talking to me. Um, so that's, you know, that is what I do now. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So you also, you know, on that note, um, you have, I, th I, th I believe, you, I know you have a podcast. I know you've done a podcast called The Kitty Pool. Um, yes. And are you think so like, 
that's that sort of falls into this too you know in terms of hosting and being able to ask people questions is that something that you're looking to to keep working on and expanding yeah yeah so i started the kitty pool a couple years ago um and i like started the project had to put it on pause and i'm gearing up to get back into it and what that show is is it's not unlike the show you have created um i the the sort of way i describe it is uh the kitty pool is a toe dip into children's media with me carly shiraki and it was a way for me to have conversations with other people um, making media for kids. And in, in my mind, the intended audience of that show has been first and foremost, first and foremost, uh, foremost, <laughs> other people, other people like me. So other people who are, um, in the industry and, um, like whether it's, uh, students who are, are studying, uh, kids media at the various, uh, industry or, uh, university level programs, or it's like a young writer or, uh, someone who's thinking of transitioning into this, um, into this field and doesn't know that it's a place that needs writers and musicians and researchers and thinkers. And, um, you know, so that is kind of the audience that I had envisioned it for first and foremost. And then, you know, secondary, like, uh, fans and parents and friends and, um, and, and sort of the, the wider world. Um, mm. but, but, but really I, I came from a place of, I had listened to, I had listened to a podcast interview with Dan Zanes, who I just love so much. And I was like, I was like, oh, well, where are the other shows of people interviewing the, the my my colleagues? Um, and at that time, there wasn't there was not a, your show was not out yet. Um, the uh, 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 what's the Mike Mike in L.A., his show, which is called what is it called? Uh, it's the other the other stuff the show. Other, <laughs> other stuff show. Yeah, well, exactly. it's, it's kid um, stuff. I call, you know, whatever. <laughs> conversation. Well, wait, but what is the conversations you make with people with who make people summer makes, kids? Yeah, right. Same, same idea. Um, right. That had not. He he was like just about to launch that. In fact, weird synchronicity. Um, uh, but it hadn't existed yet. So I was like, cool. I want to talk to these people. If I'm looking for these conversations, other people are looking for them too. Um, and it was it was super super fun for me. And I'm so glad that uh, you and me and other Mike are all like thinking uh, in this same way. And, and Nickelodeon had an animators podcast that I was listening to um, where they were talking to folks that had worked on Nickelodeon shows. So I, I love, I love geeking out about this stuff. <laughs> I love it. I, I, as a podcast listener, I love interview shows. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like that I can talk to kids, but I also, also like talking to adults, you know? <laughs> right. Well, so on that note, you were on like one of the more well-known podcasts for adults, right? You were on Invisibilia? Yes. Um, yes, I dabble in the uh, like the storytelling world, the kind of um, moth storytelling uh -huh. space of um, true personal stories. And so I um, I was able to tell a story in Invisibilia which is an NPR podcast, did one of their, they did their first live show a couple months ago in DC and they had brought in some other storytellers to perform alongside of their, um, their hosts. And so I got to do that show and then, um, they released part of our show on the podcast. My actual story is not on the episode. Release. <laughs> you, have to, like, you have, you have to go. I know it, it was a bummer, but it's we had, they had six, six of us told stories and they didn't have enough time to put all of us on the podcast. So they're sort of like, 
go to the website to hear Carly's story. Um, so I still got to be like a part of that episode, but you do have to go to their website or my website to find it. Um, and that um, that story, I just want to say for, for families listening, is, is very much not for children. Okay. Um, but um, <laughs> but it, it just, there's there's language in it. There's um, mature themes. Um, but uh, but it's totally, I think, so aligned with the person I am when I step into a space of making stuff for kids. Um, there's a way that my core values uh, translate to the way I move through the world as an adult and my storytelling is an extension of that and um, that was just it was such an honor and a gift to work with Invisibilia and Story District which is a company uh, much like The Moth that exists in DC they've actually been around for like 20 years um, they're an amazing storytelling company I got to work with their uh, artistic director and, and PR folks to like shape my story and um, they gave me lots of notes and it was a really uh, unique collaborative process of Again, kind of working in my own voice, which is what I always do as a host, but getting the NPR lens on that um, was like just like a nerd dream come true <laughs> and, uh, and a, a brand new kind of challenge for me. So amazing. So, yeah, I've, I have a couple of stories on my website that I, that you can listen to that are cool. It's a different, a different, uh, a different side, right? We're getting, we're getting the full picture, the full scope. Um, yeah. and, and sort of the last piece is that you and Tim Kubart have worked together on, um, on the TV show, but also you contributed to his Grammy award winning record. That has to be the coolest feeling. And as I recall, you rap a little bit. Is that true? Yes, I do. <laughs> I do. Um, <laughs> Oh, it has been such a gift to be um, involved in uh, Tim's last two albums. The album that just came out, Building Blocks, I, I rap a verse on that, on this amazing track that also features Genevieve Goings um, and Drew, who he also um, uh, collaborates with a lot. So he's got a bunch of friends on that track. And then on his Grammy Award winning album, Home, uh, I contributed to that as a as a songwriter and a rapper. And um, it, that, that's just like a crazy sentence uh, for me to say. But, um, <laughs> I kind of want to like clip that out and send that to you as you know and a rapper like i just think that's brilliant the way you said that yeah. was great yeah um and i mean that sort of came from a place of uh i i love to sing but i am a, i have a very low voice i don't know if you could notice um uh like i sang i sang tenor in high school and so like being a person that sings like i can sing songs that i've written because i've put them in a key that is comfortable for me but other than that like I just have an easier time speaking lyrics than saying them. And I also, as a writer, I love writing things that rhyme. I love writing alliterations. I love rhythm and beats. Like I, I you know, I was a DJ. It's like, right. it's kind of in, in my space. So um, I have been able to like to write guest verses for, um, for actually, yeah, for, for home, for building blocks. Tim wrote a song for the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade a few years ago um, that we got to do through Sprout. I wrote the verse for that. Um, and I I so I love the music Tim makes so much. Um, it's all pop music for kids. It sounds like the stuff you hear on Top 40 Radio, which is like not unlike the stuff I was bouncing around to with Radio Disney. Right. Um, but he has so much heart as a creator and as a human, and so he if infuses that in in all of his work. You can just like hear his passion for kids and his passion for this work in the stuff that he does but then it's also just so much fun and um his songwriting partner matt puckett is also just like a total bleeding heart of a human being and so like you can you can hear his like um like sensitivity coming through in lyrics and then dom falcaro who's um his 
uh, like producing partner who does a lot of the orchestrations and produces the albums, the attention to to detail like if you put building blocks or home on in your car or in a great pair of headphones as a musician if you tune into the stuff that dom has like put down for you it is just like full of so many surprises and nuance and like the the music is so smart and and i'm just i'm going on because the stuff just gets me so excited <laughs> um but tim tim gathers so many awesome people to guest on his albums i mean building blocks literally features the choir from his the the elementary school that he went to um like he has them guesting on one of his tracks like this mm -hmm. children's choir like you hear these youth voices that are like connected to the childhood that he had i just think it's fantastic so it was awesome to watch an album come together and then like watch them win a grammy the year that they won only four independent artists won grammys that year and tim was one of them wow. and i saw i saw the work that put into that got put into that like it's it's emails it's um connecting with other musicians and putting yourself out there it's a lot of hard work and um like he deserves that grammy and uh and the whole kindy music community is so fantastic and i'm so grateful to him for kind of helping me uh like like get to be a part of that scene um there's so many people making awesome music for kids so go find it you know yep. uh check out the you know Mindy thomas is a great person to to follow for music she, like the kids place live is the place to go to find out who's making great stuff right now amazing awesome so so carly you yeah. you, you do everything and you do everything like really well is there anything that's coming up that you want to let us know about that you can, or that you can let us know about if that's if that's a thing so i have a couple of projects um that i can't fully talk about at this moment uh -huh. um but there's going to be stuff in the podcast space for kids and families that i'm going to have happening next year and um some stuff on youtube um so i would say just follow me on social media follow me on instagram twitter um facebook I, i'm not so good at updating my facebook page but i'm getting better <laughs> uh, my website just if you if you like keep keep me in your uh in your like space a little bit you'll see good stuff coming soon and in the meantime um Snug's House is on every day on Universal Kids, and the Big Fun Crafty Show is on Saturdays and Sundays at 11 a.m., so keep watching all that stuff. Also, clips from all of that are on the Universal Kids um, YouTube channel, so you can always find my stuff there. And as far as new projects, just follow me and stay tuned. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Well, Carly, thank you so much. It was great talking to you, great getting to know you a little bit, and I'm really glad that we had this time together. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you for everything that you are doing for the whole space of kids and family stuff. I love the show and I can't wait to keep listening. And that is talent. That is a lot of talent, multifaceted, lots of things going on, very busy, really interesting. That was a really fun one. So thank you so much to Carly for taking the time to talk to me. Of course, you can find all of the other episodes of the Good Stuff Kids podcast at my website, goodstuffpod.com. That's 193 episodes of free good stuff for you and your families. Guarantee you that in there is something that you're going to like. So check it out, goodstuffpod.com. Email me, mike at goodstuffpod.com. Cool? Cool. Talk to you later.
stuff.